What I liked about him when I saw him in person at the East-West. So I think this kid gives you a lot of potential in terms of what you're looking for up front. I see him in the Bears offense as a Z or a slot receiver, not the X, because they want the real big guy playing the X. You know, he could be sitting out there in the third round, and you could be getting a guy that could be your situational pass rusher. I think he's a perfect fit for what I've been told the Bears are looking for. This is my three technique for the Bears, especially if you don't take a guy like Jalen Carter at the top of the draft. This will be a nice pickup. It's perfectly in the system. My gut feeling is this would not be a guy the Bears would take. It's a good name because that's a guy that I'm intrigued by. Obviously, here with, with the Bears, you know, defensive line, defensive front is, is a huge need. I think he's the best center in in this draft. to a fresh episode of Draft on Tap, and what a week here at the bar room for draft coverage. It started on Sunday with the Barfly Tailgate Show. Those guys went live and celebrated the fact that one of the members of the Tailgate Show, Ryan uh, Billings, his cousin, is now a member of the Chicago Bears playing defensive tackle. How about that for news? And then on Monday, Dan and I did a special Bear Their Souls. On Tuesday, we did the full gang on Bear Their Souls. And tonight, we've got Neil Stopchinski and Danny Shimon to talk football. And in about 30 minutes, Eric Edholm from NFL.com will be interrogated by the two guys. Let me bring in the guys one at a time. Neil Stopchinski, how are you, my friend? Gentle, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Are you ready to talk football? Hell yeah. You know what? Red Bulled up, draft on tap ready. Wednesdays have become gauntlet days for me, so i got to have my wings on. I'm ready to rock. I love it. I love it. Let's bring in your partner, Danny Shimon. Danny, how are you, brother? I'm doing great. I'm just wondering, did Neil ever get that Red Bull sponsor? Hey, I'm working on it, man. I'm working on it. All right, man. We need that sponsor, man. Come on. Let's go. Let's work that. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> right. I'm excited, pumped. Uh, like I said, Aldo, great show. I love Eric at home. I could talk ball with him, draft with him for, for hours, but uh, he's going to be here giving us a lot of info in terms of what he's hearing and what, what he sees uh, possibly happening on, on the 27th of April for the draft. And obviously, we, you know, we have a lot to talk about here in terms of what the Bears have been doing or in some cases not doing. Yeah. Eric is one of our all-time favorite guests on uh, all of the Barroom Network shows. And uh, he just started at NFL.com, I think, a year or maybe two years ago and has written for Sporting News, uh, Yahoo Sports. He, This guy knows football and he presents it in a very entertaining way. I'm going to just stay out of the way and let you guys talk to him when he joins us in about 30 minutes. But guys, I want to talk about the Bears offensive and defensive lines because that is 
still a problem area with this team. Every other position area is at least acceptable right now. If you if you had to go to battle uh, on Sunday, first regular season game, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm stretching that a little bit. But definitely the offensive and defensive lines are still a work in progress. And so what I thought we would do today is for you guys to address that problem in your first uh, in the first three rounds of your pretend mock draft and to talk about the guys you think the Bears can target and why you think they would be a good fit for the Chicago Bears. So uh, let's start this way. Neil, uh, explain to me how you see the state of affairs with the Chicago Bears at the line of scrimmage right now. How bad are things? I think they're pretty bad. I, I bet you agree too. Well, uh, you know, to be honest, and I think we all are looking at the same roster right now. We see two massively glaring holes, and it's you know one of the tackle positions and uh, a guy to uh, wreak havoc in the backfield off the edge. I think you know defensive end, edge rusher, and and uh, right tackle is are the two main needs that we need to address. Probably you know with the first two picks, if not the first three picks of this draft coming up, that uh, that pick at number nine is going to be uh, you know massively critical to get a uh, immediate impact player. One that's going to be ready to to uh, start and kick ass on day one. Um, just a matter of uh, which direction they decide to go. To me, it's best player available at the two positions of need. And uh, I know there's also some possibility for the scenarios to pop in where we can either trade up or trade down, uh, acquire more draft capital, put ourselves in a better position to uh, you know fix these these massive holes. And then if you go just inside, you know, defensive end, you know, the defensive tackle position isn't quite, you know, figured out yet. There's not a whole lot of depth there. We signed uh, uh, Ryan's cousin this week, Andrew Billings, which I'm really excited about. I love that kid in high school. He's a great player in college, big and athletic human. Um, but uh, and, and then, you know, Justin Jones right there next to him. But, uh, you know, uh, you know, captain uh, uh, last year, you know, mildly productive. But uh, the problem is, guys, we don't have you know massive impact players inside right now. And we also don't have depth. And so. That would be the third position that I would want to attack uh, with that, uh, you know, one of those three picks that we have um, at 953 and 61. Danny, um, how bad do you think the situation is in giving me an overview just like Neil did? Well, I mean, the word I keep coming back to uh, referring when you talk about the Bears offseason so far is just underwhelming. And, and, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm confident that, that there's more going to be added, obviously, to the draft and, and you know, by the time – you know, the week one comes and this roster is going to have some more talent on it. But just, you know, in terms of everything that Ryan Poles has done so far, and I know he's getting kudos on on a bunch of the you know the movies he's made so far. But to me, it's very underwhelming. You guys know that that how I feel. I'm I'm an offensive line, defensive line guy. If I feel like your offense and defensive line suck, then your team sucks. So, you know, that, I, 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 I see a lot of people, you know, kind of celebrating the move so far and saying, you know, the Bears have, have improved. But I asked myself the question, I asked you guys this question, if the Bears went out there and played a game today, you know, are they much better, that much better than they were week 18 of this last season? I don't know. Because, I mean, who, who's going to get after the quarterback? You know, the, the linebackers they got, they're nice. They're good players. I, don't get me wrong. Uh, but, you know, in order for them to eat, you need guys up front to, to do their work and, and give them lanes increases to be able to get through and, and make plays in the backfield. So you still have anybody that can pass rush, you know, get after the quarterback. Marcus Walker is a nice rotational player they got there. Uh, but, you know, I, I still want to see the defensive line beefed up. And obviously the offensive line, we got some clarity with, from Ryan Pohl saying that, you know, Cody Whitehair will be moving over to center most likely. So now that leaves the question of Tevin Jenkins. Is he in the, in the plans of the future? He's staying at right guard. 
Are you bringing in, uh, you know, the new the new guy Nate Davis and putting him at left guard, even though he's he's played all three years or all four years of his career at right guard? There's a lot of questions there as well, and then of course right tackle, and that that's another key area there as well. So, uh, still a lot of, a lot of areas to go ahead and improve on. Uh, again, still plenty of time. So even though I, I keep using the word underwhelmed, I'm not, you know, uh, it's it's not it's not like you know I'm I'm upset or pissed off or anything like that. It's just we got to be patient. And, and Ryan Pohl is one thing he has shown us he has the patience to kind of wait out these veteran free agents and get the price he wants, not overpay for them. And then let's, let's see, I, I'm, I'm convinced that he's not going to stay at number nine. I, I, I think he's going to go ahead and try and trade down and then possibly trade back up. Uh, we'll see how that goes out. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm just underwhelmed is, is the word I have right now. And, and there's still plenty of holes, especially up front on this, on this team. And there's plenty of draft picks coming, and there's still plenty of money to fix those holes. And But as Ryan Pose said, he can't fix this roster completely uh, in just two seasons. And really, it's just one season because what transpired last year was a gutting of the roster, and this season is the real part of where they're building up that roster. So let me start with you, Danny. Let's go to the number nine pick. I'd love for you to give me a player that you think might fall to number nine that can address the needs at the line of scrimmage. Take it away. All right. So before I give you my pick, I just want to kind of say, I assume that both Tyree Wilson and Jalen Carter are gone by, by the ninth pick. So that's why I, that's how I, I assumed that when I made this pick here. And I assume that, that I can't trade down because like I said earlier, I think Ryan Poles is going to trade down, but Let's just say for the sake of the exercise, let's go ahead and say with the ninth pick, I have the Bears taking Paris Johnson, the offensive tackle from Ohio State. Um, he's a guy that that six six, you know, three hundred thirteen pounds, you know, thirty six plus arm length. You know, has has the athletic ability to be able to, you know, be be a very good pass protector. You know, for me, he's a guy that needs to get a little bit stronger. Uh, but you know, these are all you know college kids. A lot of them do have to come out and get stronger anyway. But that's where he—that's where he needs to kind of improve. There for me, he's a better pass blocker than a run blocker at this moment. Uh, and the reason I went with him over, you know, Skoransky or even Jones from from uh, from Georgia is that is that he has not only the experience in terms of he's been starting the last two years, uh, but he started also at right guard the previous year. Okay, so so he's got the the. Um, the experience, if you will, being in that right-handed stand. So, and that's why I'm bringing him in. I'm pulling in a right tackle. And now you're going to have your, your bookend tackles with Braxton Jones and, and Paris Johnson uh, for years to come here if, if you're Ryan Poles. And now that fixes that right tackle spot. So now you're, you've solidified another area on your offensive line. Uh, you know, it, it came down to, believe it or not, between Skaronsky and, and Paris Johnson. And, uh, and the reason why I went with Johnson, again, the, the need at right tackle, Skaronsky is, is a guard for me. Uh, he might come in and be an all-pro left guard. Uh, that, that's how good he is. And I think kicking him inside would, would just kind of, you know, I, I comp him to, to a Zach Martin when he came out of Notre Dame. You know, he was a guy who played tackle at college, kicked him in, inside the guard, and he's been an, an all-pro guard since then. So, but but I just went with, you know, in terms of bringing in Johnson, you, again, you you kind of secure your bookend tackles for, for years to come there with two young guys. And I think that's where I, I went with, with Paris Johnson over – Skoronsky there with his ninth pick. Okay, so what we'll do is, Danny, we'll circle back to you to get the second round pick, number 53, but so, but we're going to do this like a fantasy football draft. I'll have now Neil snake his way, pick his number nine pick of the first round, and then pick the number 53. And by the way, I didn't put any restrictions on you guys. Uh, so if, Neil, if you are going to offer up a trade here, you have my blessing. 
didn't know that. I, 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 I didn't know did. the homework assignment then. <laughs> I'm a bad teacher. I didn't give you all the materials to work with. All right. Well, you also didn't set a ceiling on it either, so it's up to you to use your creativity. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's like being your favorite liberal arts college all over again. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right, Neil, take it away. Yeah. First off, I got to apologize for these sirens. You know, I live on one of the busiest streets in Chicago and it's just nonstop. So my bad. Also, um, welcome St. Omni gracing us with your uh, mysterious presence. Got to appreciate that. Um, when it comes to this number nine pick, I know, you know, Danny touched on, you know, the possibility of a trade. I touched on the possibility of a trade. I think there's several scenarios which could, um, you know, suit the bears in terms of either trading up or down, I think, you know, and, and just, I've looked around at, you know, other, um, uh, other uh, draft guys uh, mocks compared to mine. And I did see a few uh, people that know what the hell they're doing have uh, the possibility of the bears trading up a spot or two. If say somebody like Tyree Wilson was there, if uh, there was maybe uh, a bird in Paul's ear that Paris Johnson was going to pick or two early. And uh, you know, those are definitely the possibilities with the, dra- the, the kind of draft capital that we do have in our back pocket that Poles has in his back pocket. And uh, the, the, the uh, critical need for, an edge rusher or a right tackle um, at play. Um, I will not put it past polls to go ahead and trade up. I also would not put it past him to trade down, maybe into the middle of the second round and uh, find somebody like a Broderick Jones, a Darnell Wright, uh, you know, Will McDonald may be a little bit of a stretch to find in the middle of round one, but uh, there's definitely players that could uh, fit the, fit the need as well uh, between 10 and 20 that uh, he could go ahead and recoup another, you know, early, maybe second round draft pick. Um, we talk all the time about, you know, how inopportune it was to lose that early pick to the Ravens, uh, when we traded away Roquan Smith. So, but not really factoring in the type of capital going into trading up or down with, with number nine. Uh, I just use number nine to make the pick and assuming that Paris Johnson, Tyree Wilson were both available. Those are my top two players at both of those positions of dire need. Um, you know, Broderick Jones and Will McDonald being basically the, the, the next below in the two deep. Assuming that Paris Johnson and Terry Wilson are both available, in my eyes, I feel like the right tackle position, the offensive line position is the best place to go to make sure that Justin Fields has protection across the front. I think that's, you know, when you look at building a roster, it's quarterback, offensive line, defensive end, in, in, in that order, if, uh, if you had your opportunity, if you had your way. So Paris Johnson was the one that I went with as well at number nine. Uh, he had a great pro day today, guys. Um, although I didn't get a chance to actually watch it. I was, I was way too wrapped up in everything else I had going on today, but from what it sounds like showed amazing feet, excellent quicks, absurd athletic ability. Um, you know, and, and, you know, he's got the size and strength. He's got the length with the 36 plus arms. And, uh, you know, again, we talk about a guy that has all kinds of position versatility as well. He started a guard, he started a tackle. He has the experience. Uh, moving him to right tackle may be a little bit different in in terms of uh, of uh, muscle memory, uh, learning a new spot, training your your body to move different ways in, in different situations. But uh, as athletic as, as this kid is, long and, and big and physical as this kid is, I think that he's a shoe in for that right tackle spot. And the best thing about that, guys, is that Poles can go ahead and, and move Braxton Jones around and Paris and uh, uh, Paris Johnson around to whatever fits best for this offensive line. Both those guys could probably play either of those two positions. So he'll bring he'll bring a, a really athletic offensive tackle in, figure out what works best. We'll slot him in at right tackle for now. 
subject to change, but that's how it looks like, like for now. And I think that uh, all of us here in Chicago would be massively and insanely happy with that pick. Before you move on to your second round pick, Neil, I want to ask Danny. So if Wilson and Johnson are both there at nine, <laughs> I can see a debate going starting now. I'll take it away. <laughs> Tyree Wilson is is my guy. I mean, if if I mean I like this kid so much that even if the Bears are stayed at number one overall, I would have taken him over over Jalen Carter. That's how much I, I believe in this kid. I'm so much I, I'm, in, I'm infatuated with his skill set and what and, and he also fulfills a position I need. And and I've I agree with you, Neil, in terms of you know, I, I love all the things about Paris Johnson as well, but this this team up until they just signed Demarcus Walker, their their leading sack guy last year was Jaquan Brisker with four. That's pitiful. Mm-hmm. And and now well, obviously the sound Walker had seven last year. So you you need to upgrade this pass rush in the worst way. And just kind of you know looking at the the edge guys, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of guys being floated around in terms of you know uh, edge potential edge players. But, you know, there's only a few guys that can be impactful, I think, and, and fit this scheme perfectly. And I think Tyree Wilson would have been a, a slam dunk if he's available at, at number at number nine, um, even, even with Paris Johnson on the board. Just because, again, I feel like I can get I can get a tackle in the second or third round, not to the caliber of Paris Johnson. Sure. Uh, I agree. You know, I know that. But uh, again, I, I don't think I can get an edge guy. Uh, that can give me all-around game that our Tyree Wilson would give me at defensive end. The, the, if you can trade down and get a Will McDonald, love it. I love Will McDonald. But again, he's a guy that's going to be a situational pass rusher early on in his career. At 240-plus pounds, he's a guy that needs to get stronger to be able to be a full-time defensive end. So you're looking at a guy that's going to come in probably on passing situations and, and wreak havoc. Um, but again, uh, just just uh, for me, Tyree Wilson would have been – if that scenario plays out, you know, like, like you said – you're mm-hmm. coming down between Tyree Wilson and, and Paris Johnson Jr. I would have gone with Tyree Wilson. Yeah, I, I could go either way with it, to be honest with you. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, both of those guys are insanely talented and fill immediate needs. Um, I, I base it off of if, if I'm looking at the depth of offensive tackle as we get toward the tail end of round, of round two and the depth of defensive end as we get toward the tail end of round two, I feel a little bit more comfortable with the, with the depth at, at defensive end, edge rusher, however you, you want to term that. At the towards the tail end of round two, which is why I decided to go with the freak athlete, the exceptionally talented offensive tackle, rather than the freak athlete, exceptionally talented, long, big, you know, all those, all the different words that we love to use, the trace these guys have um, at that position at nine. Um, but, you know, again, I can go either way with it. I've said before that Tyree Wilson was definitely, you know, my, my top pick <laughs> at number one. If I had, if we still had that pick and I had my choice of, of anybody in this draft, um, and I still do feel that way. If we still had number one, I still do feel that way. I'd probably take Tyree Wilson at number one. If we're sitting there at nine, um, you know, we, we, we got some we got some things to play with a little bit. I can go either way, like I said. I just went with Paris. What's interesting is I believe that if Wilson falls to number nine, then some people might be concerned about the medicals on him. Uh, but that's just speculation on my part. I highly doubt that he'll be there at n- number nine. Yeah. So uh, you guys are – Pretty much in agreement, and uh, it's Paris Johnson. We'll, that's what we'll put down on our score sheet here. And take it away, Neil, with your second round pick. Yeah. So as I was saying, as I as I looked at the depth, the second round depth with uh, both of these two positions of need, I felt a little bit more comfortable about uh, defensive end, edge rusher, you know, type players as we got towards pick number fifty three. Um, there was a lot of uh, different ways that that could go. I also factored in the possibility of some of these guys being available at, uh, you know, just eight picks later and a, uh, a player like, 
uh, Adabori um, being available at the back end of round two as well. But I think Adabori will be available at, at the top end of, of, of three or the very tail end of, of, of two if we pass by him with uh, the 53rd pick. So with the 53rd pick, um, if, if I look at this in, in, in a way of like Will McDonald slipping, I don't think he's going to be there at 53, but that would be an amazing place to find Will McDonald. There's some thought that he could potentially, you know, slip that far with the situational guy that he is. And that would be an amazing pickup. I think at 53, incredible value for uh, what he can do, what he can bring in terms of wreaking havoc in the backfield. If he's not there, I probably would go with either somebody like Keon White or Felix Anaduka Uzoma. Um, versatile guys that, uh, you know, have a, a lot of motor, aggressive rushers, especially in terms of Keon White, somebody that could uh, you know, provide more position versatility as well as a guy that could kick inside on, on third down, but a guy that would play on the edge and uh, would definitely suit the need at uh, defensive end moving forward at pick 53. Interesting pick there. Uh, Danny, your thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, that's it's funny because we, we, Neil, didn't talk about this at all. And and we've so far, we've gotten the, the first two picks alike because my 53rd pick was Felix and Duke Azuma from Kansas State as well. Because I, I don't think Will McDonald will be there uh, at this point. As a matter of fact, there's talk that this kid might not even be there. That's how much he's, uh, you know, he's impressed some, some, some teams in terms of, you know, uh, in, in, the, in the one-on-one meetings and all that stuff. So, but yeah, I mean, he's a guy we talked about, you know, edge presence, you know, it, it, you know, 255 is, is his weight is 6'3", you know, 33 uh, plus arm, you know, inch arm length, def- uh, the uh, big uh, Big 12 uh, defensive lineman of the year, uh, defensive player of the year. Uh, the guy just just has that natural bend, the, the ability to get around the edge, uh, you know, he's got the the explosion in his lower half, you know, he's got the fluid hips, be able to, if, if you need him to drop back in coverage, you know, this guy can, you know, sink his hips and, tr- and change direction. Um, but yeah, he's a guy that, that for me would, would be the guy here, because again, we're talking about improving that pass rush. And, and if this falls the way we just, you know, I just draw it up, you know, you know, first round, you took care of your tackle position. Second round now with this first pick, you go ahead and take care of your edge guy. Now he might not be a day one starter. We'll see how that all works. You might have to bring in a base guy, a base defensive end guy, just kind of guy, you know, give you some more, you know, run support on first and second downs. Uh, and until this guy fully develops into his, his frame and, and becomes a full-time player, but definitely a guy on passing down situations, third downs, you bring this kid in, just let him, you know, pin his ear back and, and go after the quarterback. And you put on his, his Kansas State highlights. I mean, this kid is just, you know, relentless in terms of his, his you know, uh, approach to the game and the way he, he, he rushes the passer. So, yeah, the, if, if you get him, if you get, if, they, if it comes up this way and, it, and it's Paris Johnson first round and then Felix Azuma in the second round, I mean, Ryan pulls off to a tremendous start. Yeah, the thing, the thing is, is that both Will McDonald and Felix are uh, reportedly moving up draft boards, and they may not be available there at the, late in the second round. So Poles might have to pull some magic to move up if he thinks he's going to lose any one of those players. Uh, because Danny, you're 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 high on Will McDonald, right? I love Will McDonald. I, I absolutely love him, and 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 uh, that's why trading down from nine to in the middle of the first round with the, with the fifth, keep an eye on Washington at, at at fifteen, and keep an eye on Tampa Bay at nineteen, especially if, if one of the four quarterbacks drops. You know, if, if you drop down on that that range there, now you can play with things. Now you can you know if you can take whatever of the three offensive linemen is there, you can take possibly a Will McDonald there as well. Uh, so you, you have more flexibility, and then then now you, you I'm assuming you're going to recoup a second round pick. 
in whatever position you don't fill there. Now you can, if you want, if you're running polls, you can jump either back up to the top of the second round or even possibly back down to the you know final few picks in the first round and get your other other need that you need, whether it's a defensive tackle or an offensive lineman, depending on what you do not get with that first pick. I think both of you guys like the kid out of USC, uh, Tuli Tuopolola or something like that. Um, if he is there at 53, uh, would that be a steal? Because I, I, I think he could be there at 53 because he hasn't been working out. Uh, he's got uh, what would you tell me? He's got a hamstring injury, Danny. And so that's why he didn't work out at the combine. He didn't work out at his pro day. And so perhaps he's falling on some boards. Uh, this is an exciting player. What do you guys think? You're jumping ahead. He's he's my pick at 61. Well, okay, take it away at 61. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there you I go. Mean, guys, I, when I when I watch the pass washers in this in these uh, in this draft, I read Tyree Wilson, Will McDonald, Uzuma, and then this kid, Tuli Tuopaluta, are, are are top there in terms of guys that really excite me in terms of how they fit in this scheme and what they bring. I think the reason why Tuli could possibly be here, obviously, you know, we talked about uh, you know his hamstring issue; he hasn't been able to work out. But the other thing is, he, he's a tweener. He's a guy that USC played as an edge, as a defensive end. Um, I'm projecting him as an in, inside guy. Now he came in at 266 pounds, which is very light for a three technique. But I always harken back to the days, and I wish Greg Gabriel was on here so we can talk about Henry Melton. Remember, he was a defensive end at Texas, and I think he was like 250 or 260 when the, when the Bears drafted him. And, and by the time he was there done with him, he was up to 280, and he was a three technique. Now this is this is the, the same trajectory, same track I see for for Thule here, and I just love this kid's motor tenacity. Uh, I mean, talk about production out, out the wazoo. 22 tackles for a loss last year, you know, 13 and a half sacks. This kid has a motor, doesn't stop. You know, he's got the NFL bloodlines, you know, uh, the, the safety uh, to a from, uh, from the 49ers as his cousin. You know, he's got, you know, he's got everything you want in terms of what you're looking for, especially if you kick him inside. He's got that quick twitch ability as well. Um, you know, I love this kid. And, and if you can come out with this way with Paris Johnson in the first round and these two kids in the, in the second round, I think, at the, again, that's a, that's a great start for Ryan Poles and company. Uh, Neil, go ahead and uh, give us your third round pick, and then we'll bring in Eric at home. Third pick, 61, right? Correct, though. Yep. Eight, uh, eight places past where we picked before. Again, like I said, uh, I look at this as we have a massive hole at tackle. We have a massive hole at defensive end. We also have uh, several holes inside. We need to uh, fortify um, really the, the interior of the, of the defensive line. We need immediate impact there. We need we need uh, physical presence. We need production. Um, in that in that that sense, I thought that uh, Adebori uh, from Northwestern, Tommy Adebori. Uh, God, I'm, I'm turning into you, Danny. Adebori, that's a hard one. Tommy Adebori. I know. I'm getting it now. Jeez, <laughs> killing me. Tommy, you call him Double A, man. That's all you gotta do. But I, I want to well, sound more sophisticated when I'm talking about these evaluations. So I, it seems like I know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> but Tommy Adabari. Talked about him every single show so far this season of Draft on Tap. The kid yeah. isn't, in terms of size, he's like 6'1 and change, 280 plus. He's not massive, but the kid goes speed to power. He is a, uh, an aggressive interior gap rusher that uh, I think can make an, an immediate impact on a defensive line that sorely needs um, a, a physical, aggressive, powerful presence to fortify the interior. 
Again, we don't have depth. We have Justin Jones, who, again, I said was mildly productive last year. We have Andrew Billings, who's basically a run stuffer. We need a guy inside that could wreak some havoc, and I think at a ball rate can be that guy. So a 61 is where I'm going to go ahead and take him. Might be overdrafting him slightly, but when you find a guy that you really like, a guy that you're pounding the table for, a guy that you're going to have a spine about, you just go ahead and take him because you know that he's the guy that's going to fix the holes. Well, if he's there at that uh, uh, at that pick, then it's a miracle, <laughs> wouldn't you say, Danny? I mean, there's... yeah. I mean, the, the one thing is, is I see him being projected in the first round, and I think that just a lot of these media guys just you know kind of pushing him up, just only because of the fact that yeah. his 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 workout was great. But I but I just think that that you know you got to go back to the tape, and yes, he he shows the ex, you know the the quick twitch ability. The, the upfield, you know, burst and all that stuff, but you know, production which wasn't there, and just to put a to put him in the first round because of off his off his combine workout, I, I just I just can't see that. I can't do that. I don't think NFL GMs will do that. So I think he's a guy that's more higher, you know, elevated because of the combine performance, uh, you know, with some of these media uh, outlets than than I think that it is an actual NFL scout. So we'll see what happens. But you know, in terms of being there at sixty one, you know, we'll we'll see. You know, he's he's a guy that I've kind of pegged in that middle top to middle part of second round. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if he's going to be there. Yeah. I had him he, late, late two, early three is, is where I had him. Yeah. I think not only the combine, but his performance at the senior bowl in particular, that viral video of him pushing Jared Patterson back about 20 yards and just wrestling. He had some nice moments on the one-on-one drills at the senior bowl. And I think that's kind of lifted his, uh, his reputation, but uh, that the Northwestern tape doesn't show a lot of great things that might merit a first round right. pick. So let's get Eric Edholm's opinion on Adabore. Uh, I know I mispronounced that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't go to Northwestern. I went to I went to Columbia College in Chicago. <laughs> All right. That's why I'm Columbia College. <laughs> let's bring in Eric now. Eric, how are you, my friend? Hey. I, I went to the other journalism school. I went to Mizzou. So you know, don't expect me to give any kind of advanced <laughs> pronunciations here. Right? I'm a state school guy, blue, blue collar, meat and potatoes. So uh, I'm doing great. It's great seeing you guys, and I appreciate you have me on man yeah this is your annual visit on draft on tap i really appreciate your time uh tell us what's going on at nfl.com how long have you been there now is it a year or two years not quite a year yeah it's it was uh july of last year that i started uh so yeah it's 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 crazy it's been a whirlwind it's it's really been exciting you know everyone's been super kind and welcoming to me and, and thoughtful after I got the job and everything. So yeah, it, it's been a little different, you know, just from what I used to be doing at Yahoo, but probably 85, 90% of my job is roughly the same. And, you know, I'm still watching players still uh, kind of focusing on the NFL season during the season. And then I kind of shift to draft mode uh, more fully in December, or January, that time of year. So we're in it now, boys. Let's uh, let's have some fun. Yeah, well, I can't wait to see you on Good Morning Football. I think that's going to be your next stop. I'm just predicting. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I need you as my agent, man. I got <laughs> to get you promoting me out there. This is, good. this is a good start. Just got to speak it into existence, you know? Send <laughs> exactly. it out into the universe. It'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, Eric, I'm going to turn it over to the two experts here. Danny's going to start the questioning with you, and I'm going to go backstage and enjoy my whiskey. <laughs> All right. Sounds good to me. 
Hey, Eric, man, it's, again, a pleasure. Thanks again for jumping on. It's it's sure. always great. This is the best time of the year because we talk draft, we can scout players, and then we can talk to Eric at home. So, uh, you know, that's always look, look always look forward to that. So, obviously, here that the big the big talk here right now is with free agency kind of having started. Uh, and it's in it, Ryan Poles and company kind of kicked that off, you know, a couple of weeks ago with that big trade with with the Panthers. So, yeah. just curious, in, you know, in terms of your thoughts on on, on the return that that Poles and, and how he played. You know, you know, parlaying that first pick in, into multiple picks. You know, personally, me, I, I, I'm a little underwhelmed by, by the total return, but I'm curious to see oh. what your thought is and what the the overall league response is to what Ryan Pope, Ryan Pope did. Yeah, I think the big reaction was to DJ Moore being included in the deal. You know, that was one of those. You know, I'm sure that Polis had a list of a couple players he would have accepted there. You imagine Brian Burns would have been one of them. I don't know if Derek Brown would have been one of them, but you know, I mean. Uh, certainly uh Ekwanu would have you know could have been on that list they they have a couple of young players obviously that um i think are would would you would say are at least close to that not quite blue chip but you know whatever that next level is and dj moore i mean look he he fills a need and was productive with the panthers quarterback situation which boy in the last 4 years has turned a little bit ugly too chicago bears fans know all about that but certainly it's it's been you know, no better or no worse, I don't think. If you look at kind of who they've run out there and, and you see what he's been able to, DJ Moore's been able to do, um, I think he's going to be a huge help for for uh, for Fields. And, yeah, I mean, you could argue that he probably could have gotten a, a higher draft pick return, but he may not have been able to get more. There may have been a, a give and take there that that happened. And, and you know, I, I he kind of teased us there with the, the possibility that I'm sure you guys raised at some point, I thought of it and like the double trade down, how cool yeah. would that be? You know, it, it, it requires a lot of moving parts. And as I think he told Albert Breer, I don't remember exactly who pay, uh, polls talked to, but um, kind of suggesting that, you know, it's, it's hard when you have three teams involved, they're all on different timetables, you know, <laughs> some are going to slow play it. I it made it sound like the Houston Texans got to drag their heels just a little bit. So um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was certainly a, a cool thing that could have happened, I guess, but, um, I, I think they did pretty well for themselves. And at that number nine spot, if, if what I'm hearing about, you know, the quarterback interest that maybe three, possibly four go ahead of that pick, then one of those top blue chip type prospects should be there for polls if he wants to stay at nine. Yeah, my thing with with the trade is, is just you know they got the lower end of the second round pick, the sixty first pick, which I believe they got from the Panthers got from the Forty ers in the Christian McCaffrey trade. You know, I wanted that pick thirty nine, and I, I think they they could have because, and I know everyone goes off that that trade chart, the Jimmy Johnson trade chart, but I, I think once a team goes up, especially eight slots for a quarterback, I think you throw that chart off the water for a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, a couple. I mean, again, it's I think I think DJ Moore. You're right. I think that was. The, the key there for polls. And I think he came out and said it and, and pretty much if it wasn't DJ Moore, they probably would have got three first round picks from the Panthers. So I'm being yeah. a little picky. I'm being a little greedy. I, I, I like draft picks. So I just want more draft picks. I get I it. Mean. I hear you. Yeah. I mean, nice having all that ammo, right? Whether you yeah. use them, whether you trade them, whether whatever you do with them. I mean, it's, it's great to have that flexibility, but I still think, you know, and, and what do they have now? Nine to 11 Nine, picks this year 10. now? Yeah, 10. 10. Okay. Right now, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's a lot of choices this year, right? I mean, I, I get what you're saying about the higher selection in round two, but, um, and, you know, obviously you can look back and say the Claypool trade doesn't look great right now, but I feel like they they weren't all that bothered by the price. I think they feel like a full off season hit with, with him 
together with Fields, and now you throw more into that mix, and and maybe you have something kind of interesting because he's you know he's flashed some good ability at times. So you mentioned the number nine pick and the options that could be sitting out there. So uh, I, I, my my top, I I love Tyree Wilson, and I don't think he's going to be there. So I, I think yeah. at this point now, I think I think full, uh, polls will be open to business again, especially if one of those quarterbacks does drop. And I think yeah. I'm keeping my eye, eye on like teams like Washington, possibly Tennessee. You know, even even a team like the Buccaneers, maybe I know they just signed Baker Mayfield, but have you heard anything in terms of the scuttlebutt in terms of, you know, teams that are that are interested in that pick? If, if you have to guess right now, you know, a couple of weeks away from the draft, would you say the Bulls stays at number nine and makes a selection or you think he, it's a good chance he trades down again? Well, let's first talk about the landscape a little bit, too, not just what's below them, but who's right above them. Seven. Oh, uh, I almost said Oakland, Las Vegas and number eight, Atlanta. Both mm-hmm. those teams have done work on homework. I mean, done work on homework, done homework on quarterbacks. Sorry, guys, it's late. I'm <laughs> losing my mind a little bit. But yeah, I mean, Atlanta especially has, I think, done a, a pretty deep dive from what I know when I've been able to gather is that they've done plenty of work on all the top quarterbacks. Now, some of this may be due diligence. They're going to ride it out with with uh, Ritter and uh, who do they sign? Heineke. Um, and, you know, just... If it doesn't work, okay, then you're in the 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 Williams or May, you know, uh, sweepstakes for next year, right? Those guys arguably could be better prospects than anybody in this draft, quarterback wise. So, you know, you could see it both ways. And the Raiders, okay, they signed Jimmy Garoppolo. What do they need a quarterback for? Well, Jimmy does have an injury history that that's uh, pretty notable. So, and if you look at the contract, it's essentially a one-year deal. I mean, you know, if they want to keep him longer, that certainly is possible, but, um, and they could rework it to keep him around as a backup, much like they did in San Francisco with Jimmy last year. But yeah, that to me feels like bridge quarterback type contract. Uh, don't get fooled by the three years and the, in the full money and all that. And, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I could see either one of those teams possibly looking into a quarterback, as you pointed out, if there isn't, let's say Will Levis, I'm just going to pick him just for, for argument's sake. It, it does lose a little bit of the trade potency, I think, in terms of interest in moving up. But I suppose there could be a, a, a special player that, you know, boy, I'm trying to think maybe the first offensive tackle, maybe the first receiver, maybe uh, the first or second corner, you know. So there's still some premium spots, I think, that could garner that interest. But two of those three positions, I would say, you could make a case the Bears still could use one of those guys. So it's it's a tough call on whether he gets good offers, any offers, uh, or whether he ends up standing uh, pat at number nine. Now, your second mock hasn't come out yet. I just haven't seen it yet. So who do you have Bears taking number nine? I think I have him with Paris at nine. I think if I remember correctly, yeah, I did it a couple of days ago and turned it in, and uh, it's it's getting sent through the uh, the editing grinder right now. But, um, yeah, it, it I'm – I'm almost positive. I don't want to say the wrong name, but I'm pretty sure that's who I gave him at nine. And I think that was my first offensive lineman off the board. And, you know, I mean, I think I was shocked at how tall he was. I thought I had had in my mind that he was a six, five guy and he's over six, six and uh, has those 36 inch arms and everything. And I mean, I don't know. You guys can tell me, I didn't watch every game he played. Obviously I watched a little of him at guard uh, from 2021 just to see, Hey, you know, what does it look like? And, but I watched three full games of him and part of a fourth. I haven't gotten the, to the end of it yet, but the only little stretch where he got in any trouble was the first half against Georgia. Um, and he rebounded and played pretty well in this, you know, after that point, you know, the team kind of started failing, but I thought he held up pretty well. So 
a little bit in that Georgia game where you saw him give up pressures that he wasn't giving up in other games. But I, I see a young kid. First of all, he's got a lot of charisma. You know, the Ohio State connection is great and all, but that, you know, to me, that doesn't matter that much. But uh, I just think, I, I think when it's all said and done, he has a chance to be the best offensive lineman of this group. Broderick Jones interests me um, because, boy, you think how young he is and, and, yeah. You know, he's just starting to kind of scratch the surface. I don't know. Do you guys have strong opinions on the on the tackle group or Skaronski yeah. outside for you or what? Well, Skaronski, I love Skaronski, but he's a guard for me. I I can't see him playing at, at that at that left tackle position Tough. or even right tackle. Yeah, for yeah. me, coming coming in, I like Jones a little bit better, but just because I think he was stronger at the point of attack than than uh, than uh, Paris Johnson. However, 19 career starts. You talked about it. Only one year of starter. I think he he's got some more. Um, you know, learning some more technique work. I think Paris Johnson, having played the right side, you know, uh, two years ago, you know, having that the familiarity in that right-handed stance, I'm going to want to put him at right tackle. So I think yep. that kind of, and then you talked about his, his dimensions, his size, his length. He's athletic. I think he's a better pass blocker than a run blocker right now, Paris Johnson. I agree. So I think, I think that's going to kind of fit in. But again, he's not a finished product, but I think that's why I gave him the edge over Jones for me. You know, uh, and, and that's why I'm, I think the Bears, if they stay number nine, I think that, that could be their, their pick there. The other guy that really intrigues me, and I, I'm sure everyone's intrigued by him, is Jalen Carter. I, I know that the off-the-field stuff, and it's 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 out there, it's percolating, and he's going to drop, right? But do you think he makes it to number nine? Because if he's sitting there at number nine, and I'm, and I'm Ryan Poles, I mean, that's – put this kid's tape on, and when he's on, he's – He's a, a beast He's in the middle of that defensive line. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, which one are you going to get? Are you going to get the Jalen Carter versus LSU, or are you going to get the Jalen Carter versus Ohio State that was that was getting tired, you know, halfway through this, you know, through the second quarter? So, yeah. I, what do you what do you heard about Jalen Carter, and how far do you think he'll drop? Yeah, it's a great question, and you know, I, I've asked around a little bit, and obviously teams are, are doing their homework. The pro day situations. One guy kind of said, "Look." You know, I, I can't imagine if I was 21 years old or what have you and, and having to deal with the, the court situation hanging over his head and all that. And, OK, you make a fair point, but to be completely out of shape in, a, in like two weeks time, that's a little bit concerning right there. He is a young guy. I mean, he's, he's not even 22 years old yet. So, you know, you can cut him a little bit of slack. There was some questions, you know, he, you know, there was a little incident with Quay Walker last year and. You know, I think he's a fiery kid and I think he's an immature kid on some level, but I could tell you I was immature into my 30s, you know, so it's it's how you define it. Right. And how much I mean, there are lots of immature players in the NFL. We all know this. Like, I'm not saying anything that isn't I mean, you have guys who come into the, the you know, go from college into this this really strange world of the NFL um, and, you know, sometimes you make bad decisions and you have money and you do things that are out of character or whatever. Other guys can handle it right away. Teams know this and they're going to weigh all that in. Obviously, lying to police is something that is probably going to require, or, you know, the accusation of this, right? I, I want to be careful what I say, but uh, the suspicion of, of misleading police and, and getting charged with the two misdemeanors at a fatal crash, this is a serious business. So this isn't just you know, oh, he's a young kid making dumb mistakes. Now there's more to it. There's some real responsibility here. What if that happens when he's on an NFL team? So I think his, him being picked probably requires ownership approval, I, I think. Yeah. You know, if you're picking him in the top 10, yeah. the teams that make the most sense, Seattle has, has always had a little bit of moral flexibility, I guess, with <laughs> with character guys and, and certainly would could use another interior 
uh, force. And, and I've thought about Detroit, you know, certainly the tackle. I think they want to add one more guy on the defensive line. You know, Brad Holmes, good judge of character. I'm, I'm sure, you know, he's a Georgia guy. I'm sure he's got great connections uh, uh, that he can, you know, trust and feel like, you know, he can tap into there. Las Vegas, you know, look, it's it's the the wild card team. Who knows what direction they're going to go? Mm-hmm. Are they rebuilding? Mm-hmm. Are they, you know, so I I think it's maybe a 50-50 chance or a little less that he's there at 9 if 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 enough teams feel good about it, but I haven't been able to get a great sense as to whether he's calmed everybody's fears about the situation. So every year there's a player that that's always mocked or projected to go high in the, in the first round, and for whatever reason, whether it's off the field or some medical stuff or things that we haven't heard about, this six has plummeted down down the draft boards. And you know, minus Jalen Carter, just just kind of removing him up from the equation. Who is the player they think could possibly you know we're, we're seeing and everyone's talking about you know him going high, but you could see him just because of circumstances, because of the way the board could fall, kind yeah. of plummeting down, maybe you know late first round, maybe even out of the first round. Good question. Uh, let me think. You know, Jalen High, some of the receivers, I think, are, are being a little bit overhyped, in my opinion. It, I, I could be wrong about, about at least one of them. Jordan Addison's size, you have to be okay with that, and 166 pounds is pretty small. You know, that that, that, was, a, that was a low number for me. Jalen Hyatt obviously runs well and, and is a great vertical threat. But you have to understand, he's got kind of a limited box of tools. He's got one really amazing tool, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Does he have the full package? Is he going to be a Will Fuller type player where, you know, he just switches teams every couple of years as sort of a hired gun, right? But uh, those are two that I'm not necessarily convinced land in round one. Um, Let me try to think of some other good ones that uh brian Brzee from Cle- uh, from clemson i know yeah. some teams have already kind of flagged them medically and and said that there might be some concern there or at least they're gonna you know wait i mean obviously tested well in, in in indianapolis it's not necessarily like oh he's still hurt it's the fact that he's had you know multiple injuries and the scans may not have come back clean i don't know you know so that's one that comes to mind um Drew Sanders, the linebacker from Arkansas, I think some teams really are, are sort of fascinated by him, but don't know exactly what to do with him. Uh, Brian Branch at, at Bama, you know, is is he he's a really smart, heady player and a kind of guy that every team wants. But sometimes those players will slip because they don't have incredible measurables and numbers and testing numbers. Uh, it just you know they're maybe pigeonholed into a position when you get him and you find out oh he can do more than. Than what than what he did at Alabama, so he's one that I wouldn't be shocked if there's a little bit of slippage. Um, and then, you know, so I've seen Luke Musgrave round one. I don't think he cracks round one if I had to guess. You know, Keon White, Georgia Tech has been. You've seen him high on some lists. He's an older guy who's only played defense for you know for for a couple of years and still viewed as an upside guy. I don't. I, I get a little leery about the 24 year olds who are viewed as the upside players. Just me. I mean, I don't know if other teams do or what, but so those are a few off the top of my head. I'm sure I'm missing a couple. Yeah. Yeah, Eric. Uh, very similar question, but the converse, right? Um, is there anybody out there that you're hearing who could go high or much higher than than expected than mocked? that nobody is talking about right now well nobody's a tough one right that's like cole cole strange would have been our pick for last year i guess the only one who's set on ice right now who's who's just hanging out yeah let me think here gosh it's probably i mean i'm i'm trying to 
it's hard for me to know because I don't I don't read a ton of mock drafts. So this is just me. I I don't want to be biased when I do mine, so I don't want to like read five or six of them right before I write one and then oh I just saw this guy t- drafted uh, Miles Murphy for the team. I'm gonna put him in there too. You know, I try not to to look at him very often to be honest. Um, so if it's I can hard. Try real quick, it, yeah. Kevin Hooker goes in the first round. A team might want to just kind of take him for that fifth-year option and just kind of. That would be the reason. Out. Yeah, that's the only reason. It's great to have the fifth-year option, but you're going to have the really? first-year redshirt. <laughs> I mean, essentially, yeah. right? I mean, he could play. You know, he could be available. Um, you know, by October, November, that would have been you know eleven months removed from the from the injury uh, against South Carolina. So, I don't know. I, I I really like the, the 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 quarterback, but I think you kind of put him in that same day two range. Uh, this is how I view him. But again, yeah, if there's an early run on quarterbacks, you know, could there be a team like Detroit that says, yeah, we we've kind of mismanaged the backup spot and we'll draft him and sign a veteran as well? You know, yeah, I could see that. Or yeah, I think you guys mentioned Tampa Bay is sort of a wild card quarterback team. Maybe, yeah, Washington, sure. Um, but I think it would be in the last couple of picks of, of round one, maybe trading into round one, much right. like we saw with Lamar, uh, Teddy Bridgewater, other guys have, have been in that spot in the past. So I don't know. Like I saw, and again, I think Daniel Jeremiah is great at what he does, my my colleague at NFL Media, but um, – you know, I saw him do the mock him to the Vikings and I just couldn't, yeah. I couldn't get behind it. So the age, the injury question, the offense he comes from there, there's some, there's some roadblocks you got to get past. Yeah. I, I thought the same thing, actually, I was thinking about, you know, where are the possibilities that Hendon, I mean, you think about it, if, if had he not gotten hurt, number one, probably would have been a shoe in for the Heisman. Number Could've, two, yeah. probably would be one of these guys that we're talking about going in the top 10 right now. Right? And that's I a fair question. You know, yeah. I mean, I guess would we be as hung up on on the age factor? It would it would definitely come up, you know, right? We've talked about Bryce Young's size every day since <laughs> since November. We've you know we've we've talked about the fact that C.J. Stroud has only been a scrambler in, in one game essentially, right? Or or whatever. We kind of hone on the whatever the big thing is for each quarterback, and um, I suppose the age would have been certainly the biggest one, and then the next would have been. Hey, you know, I mean, he's he's coming from this Josh Heupel offense. You know, a lot of a lot of uh, clean looks and 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 wide open uh, situations. So, you know, I I I wonder. Yeah, what would have his draft fate been? I think he he very well could have been in the first round mix, but you got to weigh in the injury. Yeah, hear that. Um, you know, every year there always seems to be something that shakes everything up. Chaos ensues. Make yeah. GMs kind of scramble with their draft boards a little bit, toss their hands up in the air, those different types of things. Can you project anything that could that could possibly shake up everything in front of the Bears right now to make Brian mm. Poles start to second guess some possible I'm, decisions he could be making? Yeah, with the gas mask, smoking bong coming off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if, if anyone could have predicted that happening, I'd I'd I'd, I'd want to sit close to them uh, for the rest right. of their lives too. Uh, I don't know if there's that kind of nuclear situation. I guess. Anthony Richardson going first would, would be like, Whoa, you know what I mean? Like that would kind of just set the ball rolling for the draft and everybody would be, there would be a buzz and, uh, and I'll be out there for the first, I haven't been to the draft since Philly and what 17 or whatever. So this will be my first year going back since then. And, uh, 
I, I hope something like that happens. I love chaos. I hope my mock drafts are terribly wrong, right? Because what's the fun otherwise? So that would be a big one. Obviously, some team trading into the, the top three, four picks with, you know, going into that Arizona spot, let's see, at number three, that we're not seeing. Um, boy, it would, it's even hard to come up with somebody, but, you know, you never know, right? I mean, Washington has been sort of selling us on, hey, you know, Sam Howell's going to get first reps. And um, I mean, I suppose they could be there. They didn't make a play on Lamar. They, is it possible they have some some quarterback that they're in love with and they, they could move up? Sure. But, you know, Carter falling obviously could create some some interesting debates on the clock. But Bijan going high? You know, what if somebody just says, screw the analytics, forget the, 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 the narrative, you can't take it back in round one. I'm taking this guy, I love him. And, you know, I guess it's possible. That that obviously would 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 change the the you know the landscape quite a bit as well. Well, sure. what about Jim Irsay and, and and Chris Ballard just sitting there and at the last minute putting in this huge offer to Lamar Jackson right before the draft and and just kind of shaking the whole the whole NFL landscape and, and see what what happens. I think that's something that because they're very quiet and you don't hear anything from from the Colts. Yeah, you know, Irsay was out there initially talking about you know how how good Bryce Young looked and right. how he would like to yeah. grade up Being and all very that loud. Then all of a sudden, just yeah, it's it's quiet. <laughs> and and, that, and I want to put it past Chris Ballard to, to pull some because I think now obviously I think he, you can confirm this, Eric. You know, he, they were active in, in terms of trying to get up there with the Bears, yeah, to get that first pick. And I think now seeing how things kind of fallen. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be wanting to there. Maybe, maybe he will. Maybe he'll, he'll take the third best quarterback or fourth best quarterback and be happy with it. But uh, yeah, just, that's, I have a feeling Chris Ballard and, and Jim Mercer are up to something. I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's fascinating. Cause look, I mean, Chris is, you know, and obviously he's got bears connections. I'm sure people in Chicago know the name and know him and remember his time here. And uh, he's obviously got, you know, connections to polls. And I'm sure that, that, you know, that, that friendship could, um, you know, lead to some deals at some point, but yeah, it didn't happen uh, the first time around, you know, the Lamar thing, we haven't really got any leaks on whether teams have been contacting him, or at least I haven't seen any, I don't know. I haven't been able to, to confirm anything like that. And Chris is in a, you know, they're coming off this horrible year where, where Jeff Saturday was thrown into the head coaching spot and, you know, Matt Ryan was a disaster and the backup quarterbacks were a disaster and the defense was bad and Jonathan Taylor got hurt. And, you know, I mean, it was just a, snowball effect there it was crazy and so the people there are fed up you know if if them blowing a playoff spot last year was bad i mean you can't imagine that ballard isn't on anything but the hot seat and i love chris and i think you know i hope to you know see him in the league making picks for years to come but the reality is you know who the owner is and he's already had a, a two sit downs with with you know, with Reich and Ballard one year and now, you know, Ballard in year two. So it's going to be a tight, I think, do they trade up to one and say, all right, Carolina, we'll, we'll pay whatever you want to have, you know, do they move up to three and, and give up something smaller and get, like you said, possibly the third best quarterback and have to give up assets to do that? It's a tough sell. Or do you stand pat and watch somebody pass you? But there is that, that, you know, break glass in case of emergency option with Lamar. I mean, mm -hmm. does yeah. it feel like it's going to happen? I don't know, but, oh, that would be fun. I've been saying, like, why, why? either you do it right before the draft and put them in a bind, or you wait till after the draft, and then you're using next year's picks, you know, for, you know, or make an offer at that point um, to Baltimore to, to, to sign them. So 
I believe there's a deadline on it. Like, is it a, I don't even remember what the deadline is to be honest. Is it a week before July. the draft? Oh, no, no, no. It's July. it's July for him to sign a, an extension. Correct. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I believe that's the case. Check me if I'm wrong though. Yeah. You know, the thing about it is though, is yeah, I'm with you. Big Ballard fan got the pom poms out the whole deal. Um, I just don't think that that outfit is in position to take any more chances. I think they have to, you know, go balls yeah. to the wall. Either go go get Lamar or at worst trade up to two, which that's going to be a tough thing. You know, the Texans aren't going to trade, you know, allow division. A, a division yeah. rival to come in on them. So you figure yep. they have to go up to one, right? I, just, I think you know, so. And I think Carolina is in this weird spot where everybody assumes, well, they must know who they want. My best read of the situation at one is that they went in – feeling really good about one like if if we if we're the draft for tomorrow we probably take this guy which i i think is cj stroud but i could be wrong could be byron you know bryce young and byron young bryce young i don't think it's will levis but anthony richardson i think interests them i i think they bought themselves some time right they get the pick and they say all right we could stay there or we could move back but let's do some work on this anthony richardson kid and decide is he better than, in my theory, Stroud? And if we think Richardson's better, then we're tempted by a trade down and 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 maybe rolling the dice a little bit. I don't know that it's, you know, it would be some some crazy poker if they played it that way, but they might be have to prepare to move back up to number three. And what a story that would be, them bouncing all over the, the top 10 to, to find the land, you know, their quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. They had, what, 11 coaches? Or eleven uh, personal representatives, or combination of Is that right? Those two things at at the pro day today at Stroud's it, thing. Yeah, I didn't know it was eleven. I knew they sent a full full contingent, but I thought, you know, boy, if, if a team sends more than four, that's usually a you know a, a full house. So that's that's uh, that's telling. But they're they're gonna you know the the bulk of them I imagine are gonna go to uh, you know the next two days. We have both uh, Kentucky and Al- or Alabama tomorrow. Kentucky on on Friday. And then on the 30th, we have Florida. So I think they're going to go to all four. Yeah. Any, any uh, scuttlebutt over there in NFL media land about, uh, about any, any uh, you know, mannerisms, facial expressions, uh, any, any thoughts or feelings about what, what those uh, Carolina Panthers people were thinking about CJ Stroud today? Hard to know. You know, my colleague, Nick Shook, who lives in Ohio, went, went up there. I still haven't read his piece yet. I, I just I was about to check it out, and then I realized we were getting close to the showtime. So uh, I don't know if he made any mentions of that. You know, I was only able to, you know, see little bits and pieces of it today. But, yeah, I, I don't know. And obviously at those pro days, sometimes you see, you know, I mean, you know, if you have a GM going to four different pro days of four different quarterbacks, we have no idea, right? But if you see, you know, certain people skip one or two workouts, you might think, okay, you know, that's that's kind of interesting to note. Uh, it's always a, you know, a, a, a tricky game to play. Like, ooh, did they look really interested or not? The one time it felt like it was obvious was at Zach Wilson's pro day of all people, right? It felt like those guys were, you could almost see them going, wow, you know, on the sideline or whatever. And, it, and, it, and we know how that one's gone so far, so... Yeah. <laughs> well that was a circus though you know but uh it was yeah you know we were all coming out of days, COVID. Though. everybody was a little kooky back then right yeah, it was like the first we still are though it. i know yeah <laughs> um speaking of pro days though 
has anybody really popped off at their own individual pro day? Any sleepers that have recently emerged? Any any uh, names out there for us to keep an eye on? Any interesting yeah. storylines? Well, a couple couple of numbers that I noted uh, the other on Twitter, and uh, I mean, I know I'm not giving you much uh, you know secret information here or whatever, but um, you know, Ronnie Bell significantly improving his three cone time. You know, kind of we're in Big Ten country here, and. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a neat little receiver. He's not a big guy, but he's got, he's got a big heart and he, you know, he's a, he's a tough kid for, for his size. And uh, he's a neat kid. I got to talk to him a little mobile. I don't know if you guys saw him, uh, you know, got to spend any time with him down there, but um, you know, I think he's, he could end up being a really good third receiver for some team. And he, he made a big improvement on his three cone time, which I think will bump him up into that fourth, fifth round range. He was sort of in that five, six, I would guess if I had a you know, take a crack at it before day three, somewhere in the middle there. Um, you know, Andre Carter from army, you know, I was coming off 15 and a half sack season, 2021. People were putting him in the first round of their mocks this year. I knew that wasn't going to be the case even before he had a, you know, just an okay season, I would say. Um, but when you saw him at the senior bowl, he had some tough reps down there. You could see the strength wasn't there, right? He's a good athlete and he, you know, he rebounded a couple times, but still, this is kind of a, a long lean guy who's, you know, still got some rawness to him. The strength is going to take probably a full year or more to kind of get up to speed. And, and yet, you know, he turned in a pretty darn good three cone time as well, under seven seconds the other day. And, you know, I know he didn't run amazingly well, but you know, did, did enough, I think. And he's going to be in that boy. Do you, do you use a top hundred pick on, uh, on a pass rush project who may not give you much year one? Well, David and Jabo, you know, went 45th. How do you weigh that a little bit? I, I think he's borderline top 100. So he's a name player. Uh, it'll be army's highest pick in a, in a million years, but, um, I think he's going to have to wait a little bit, even with uh, some of the promising athletic traits that he has. I just, I think teams won't be able to get a whole lot of him out of him as a rookie. So we already touched on receivers, obviously uh, in our previous conversation. And and also we kind of touched on it with Ronnie Bell, but, you know, going back, uh, looking at the draft history, there's always like, seems like day two day, you know, second day, second, third round is where these stud receivers come out of, you know, to talk about DK Metcalf, T Higgins, I don't know. Brown, Brown, yeah, right. Samuel, all these guys, and 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 even though the Bears have picked up, kind of looping us back to the Bears here, even though they got DJ Moore, and they they seem to have a a nice core there with with you know Claypool and Mooney and Moore, uh, you know Claypool and Mooney are going into the last year of their contract, so I I just feel like they're they still need to draft a receiver. So obviously they're not going to do it in first. I don't think they're going to do it in the second round. But you know who's your day two you know, possibly day three receiver that, that you feel real good about in terms of you, either you see this tape or you've seen him at the senior bowl yeah. and just feel like this kid has a chance to be, if given the right opportunity, you know, put in the right situation could be that next guy that pops off, you know, you know, uh, and become, has a name for himself at the receiver position. Yeah. I, the, somebody who I feel like, and he was a little quiet down in mobile, but somebody I feel like doesn't, hasn't gotten any buzz whatsoever is Rasheed Rice. And I don't know. I like him as a football player. I think he's a good player. I think he looks like a like a like a top 50 pick to me by my eyes. That's not what I'm hearing necessarily, but you know, I just sort of feel like even though there's some you know, some consistency issues, he's a little bit lean. He looks like he can kind of be coasting out there sometimes and you know, I don't know. I mean, the the some people I had a guy tell me he liked 
you know, who area scout who's gone through the school for years down there. He said, I, I don't know. I thought Danny Gray was better. So I'm kind of conflicted on him a little bit, but I, 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 if he can, if he can max out his speed when he plays play just a little faster and maybe add a little bit of weight, I think I'd like him a little more, but he's, he's got some, some ability that I don't think, I think it's just natural. Uh, Trey Tucker's interesting. Well, both Cincinnati receivers for that matter. I mean, I think the, uh, Tyler Scott is a more polished player. Tucker is more of the, uh, maybe a little bit more speed just to take the top off of defense. But, but Tyler Scott, I like a lot. Marvin Mims had a really good com combine workout. He was a player that I hadn't watched enough of. I think he's yeah. one to keep an eye on for the bears. Yeah. I could see yeah. Marvin Mims being a bears type player. Um, that was my guy actually. That was my is guy. It really? Oh yeah. yeah there you go. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Nice player. I mean, it's just, he, it's funny because I'd watched a lot of Oklahoma that I hadn't really sort of focused on him. And uh, yeah, he caught my eye a little bit. He's not big, you know, I mean, he's, you know, under six foot and you know, the arm length is just okay and everything, but he's got kind of a lean frame, but you can run four, four and you can, you can vertical jump 40 inches and, you know, show enough quickness, I think, and average almost 20 yards of catch in college, even with, you know, last year was, you know, a tough year for the Sooners and Dylan Gabriel's a little up and down and whatnot, but, but he's smooth, man. I, I like him yeah. a lot. Yeah. And then obviously talking about the, the NFC North, I mean, the big talk here is, you know, the possible of Aaron Rodgers leaving the division or yeah. excited, but I got news for a lot of bears fans. The Detroit lions are going to be bad news, <laughs> bad news. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the, the kneecap biters of, uh, of Dan Campbell. <laughs> I mean, they're, I mean, the, the one Very thing that surprised kneecap. me is they're coming off that great year. I think they, they had a, Tremendous start to free agency. And uh, I think you talked about potentially Jalen Carter going there, maybe a Tyree Wilson. That's going to be even more devastating. But what really kind of put me over the top with them was, was how did they get CJ Garner Johnson on a one-year deal? That's less and, money and, than and, Philly offered. Yeah. Right. And, and his market just didn't develop. And I, that, yeah. that really just threw me off. I was hoping the bears would make a play for him because they, they need more of a corner, a slot corner than they need to do at safety, but the versatility he gives you, the added, you know, like the, the, um, the swagger that what he brings to that defense. I think yeah. that's, that was a big thing, big element that Philly had last year with him there that, that they're, they're going to miss this year. So, you know, Detroit overall, your, your impressions and then, and then just the, the market for, for Garner Johnson. Yeah. I think if, if, if people pick them less than, than second place next year, cops are going to show up at their door, right? They're like, they're going to be America's team. All right. If they're not already, I mean, first of all, they didn't have, Jamison Williams last year. I mean, they did at the end, but I mean, he touched the ball twice all season, right? You you hope he's going to give you something. They add Montgomery, and I know Jamal Williams uh, was a you know locker room favorite, but look, Montgomery's a I think a better talent. I just I think he's David's a better running back overall. Um, they, they're at the point where their roster is so much better than it was when Brad Holmes took over. I mean, you know, we would talk about here are the six or seven positions the the Lions need to upgrade. Yeah. Now it's like, well, you need a tight end. You could use another body there. Certainly a starting caliber guy would be nice. You could add another corner, but you got Sutton and everything, and that's pretty good. And, yeah, maybe a linebacker for a little depth or, you know, another defensive line, and I think interior certainly, uh, you know. But, man, to have the rookie class they did and really not get met much out of uh, the Kentucky kid, uh, who my blank, I'm blanking on his name, the pass rusher, uh, Josh, um, Pascal, Pascal. Thank you. I, I couldn't think of it. Yeah. Could, didn't get anything out of Williams to, to speak of 
still haven't gotten much out of Anza, Anza uh, Ruike there, the Levi uh, defensive tackle from, from Washington they drafted a couple years ago. So, I mean, if, if some of these other guys develop too, think about the number of second and third and fourth year players on the roster to mm-hmm. add to some of these CJ Gardner Johnsons and Suttons and everything. And, and they got the sixth pick, the the 18th pick and an early second too. So it's like, man, yeah, they, if, if, Jared Goff falls off. Obviously, that's a worry. That's why I think quarterback could still be in play for them, too. I don't know. At six, doesn't feel right, but possibly at 18 or if they trade down. And certainly with that early second round pick, hey, maybe maybe Brad just says, I'll make the head and hooker pick with that second rounder. I'll trade into the first. And, and you know, we've had so much draft ammo. I can give up a little extra to go get him. I don't know. Just playing around with ideas but they're fun yeah they also i've heard that they could possibly punt on that second pick trade it and get a first round pick for next year's draft have two first round picks for next year now you're if Derek goff does take a dip now you're in the caleb williams drake yep. you know drake may uh you know conversation as well so yep. they, they are a team that's up and coming and, and they are like they, they are going to be in my opinion a, a you know, the, the Kings of the, of the NFC North. So we'll see how it plays out. But. Yep. Buy stock now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, you know, corners, Eric, uh, interestingly enough, that was one position that polls hinted at a couple months ago, probably a press conference that he would address that this off season. I mean, and you know, you look at our depth chart, that's another position where we definitely can go ahead and uh, use an immediate contributor, some depth, some quality. Um, in terms of uh, where in this draft you think the run on corners would be, what what would be like the money range to go ahead and get a guy to come in here and produce immediately? Yeah, I think there's a chance that Detroit at six, possibly, yeah, Atlanta at eight, maybe. You know, I know they have AJ Terrell, but they could put another guy with him. Um, you know, so there's I think two spots ahead of them, unless I'm not thinking of the right. I suppose it depends on what happens with the Cardinals, you know, cause they could the corner's been a spot that they've ignored for a few years. So depending on where they trade down to, I suppose they could be one to watch as well. Maybe Seattle, but they drafted two last year and got a lot out of both guys. I don't know. So there's at least two, maybe as many as four spots where the first corners could start going off. So, you know, is Christian Gonzalez there? Is Devin Witherspoon there? You know, is Joey Porter Jr. there for Chicago? I don't know. And then you start thinking maybe more second round. And, you know, it's it's we mentioned Branch. I see him as a nickel, uh, most likely, but he can also play safety. I don't think you want to play him at outside corner. So I put him in that category, sort of. You know, Emmanuel Forbes, really fascinating guy, super lean, high production, incredible, like six pick six in his college career, I think. Uh, yeah, as a FBS record. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. And he doesn't, I mean, if you thought, you know, Sauce Gardner was skinny last year, like this this dude is way skinnier. So he's going to be a fascinating one. Um, kind of the hot name, or not hot name, I should say a name that's kind of been thrown around a little is Terrell Smith from, from Minnesota. I've heard him mentioned a little bit more. Um, you know, depends how much you like Keely Ringo from Georgia. Is he a safety in your mind? Is he a corner? You just love the athleticism and say, we're patient. We'll teach them. You know, there's DJ Turner who had the, the, the 40 yard King in, in Indy and, you know, had a good season as well. Good lateral quickness. He looks like a slot to me. If I had to guess, um, I think Deontay banks probably is gone in the top 40, maybe first round. So 
hard to know. Julius Brent's longer kid. A lot of teams, a lot of teams met with him at the combine. He had like 15 meetings, I want to say. So he was a popular name. He went down to Mobile, had a nice solid week down there. Cam Smith. I mean, I'm just trying to Clark Phillips is another one, you know. So Clark Phillips. The depth at this corner group is really good. I don't know. I just don't remember a class where I'm not saying that we have 10 all pros in this group, but I think there's a lot of people in this year's class. Darius Rush from South Carolina. Yeah, Rush, the other that. South Carolina. Yeah. Tyreek Stevenson's another guy from Miami who's gotten yeah. some buzz too. Uh Oregon State kid, right? Is 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 somebody the West Coast Scouts have mentioned a couple times. So I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple, but those are those are some some of the names that are in that day too. Oh, Garrett Williams, Syracuse is another one I just thought of. Yep, he could be a Eli Ricks. What do you do with him? I mean, yeah. he looked like a first round pick his freshman year, and now it's you know he's had two years where he's been injured and doesn't look like he fits. And I don't know. So he he's a wild card for sure. Amazing depth there. You know, you just yeah. rattled off, you know, 10, 15, 20 yeah. games. And, you know, the, all, all of them can't go before the Bears come up with another pick. <laughs> and we don't know where they're going to go with it. You know, I kind of feel like they're going to go, um, you know, tackle, edge, yeah. tackle, yeah. first three picks in no particular order. And then after that, it's like, okay, where, where are we going next? You know, all these guys can't go before pick 64. I know. So yeah. They're, they're going to have the possibility I mean, to get a guy that could compete right away, I feel. When you look three-dimensionally at these drafts and you realize, yeah, we'd love to have our first, second, or third corner on our team. Absolutely would. But when you think D-tackle is super thin, right? It'd be nicer to get one of the top three at that position because the difference between the the third D-tackle and the 10th D-tackle is massive. The difference between the third corner and the 10th corner, not massive in my opinion. I mean, I you know, a round difference maybe or a round and a half at the most. So – yeah, that's that's a debate that I think every team has to have at certain spots this year. And and tackles got some depth, but corner I think is 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 more loaded. Eric, 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 you have done such a fantastic job. Uh, people in the chat room are raving about your appearance here Woo! today. I got to tell you, I am going to call the folks over at Good Morning Football, and I'm going to ask them first of all to take a look at your demo reel, which I believe is still on YouTube. <laughs> oh, really? Wow. I didn't even know I had a demo reel. Oh, dude, that's great. I think you did something for the WTTW oh, uh, show. Yes. Oh, my God. That's funny you mentioned that. I, I actually just we, – we're, we happened to – my wife and I were just talking about that probably three weeks ago. I hadn't thought about it in seven or eight years. But, yeah, I, I filmed that at the old pro football weekly in, in Riverwoods, uh -huh. uh, which I just happened to drive by the other day. It's, it's some other business now, but we had this little tiny video room and I saw the job was opening. PFW was about to go under. And I yeah. told our video producer, I said, can we throw a little one minute video together here? And I want to try to get this, uh, What's it called? Check, please. Right. Yeah. 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 Give me the check, please. Or check, please. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you would have been perfect for that show, but I think oh, you're better God. for good morning football. I'm going to call them up, call them. negotiate a deal for you. And I'm also going to tell them they have to change that set. It is the ugliest set <laughs> on any football <laughs> talk show in America. I mean, that right. thing is so many lines going and people wearing weird clothing. You, would you don't like the pinball show. machine there. You don't like the, the pinball kind of machine. I, I right. would keep. It's just all the brick and the line. <laughs> in the bricks and the graphics are ugly it's uh, it needs a uh, aldo gandia makeover well do me a favor when you when you call him on my behalf don't mention any of that stuff okay yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that will not go over well you understand we can negotiate in his contract to, to go ahead and, you know. <laughs> eric will 
come on. However, here's his Promise. rider. Yeah. <laughs> Promise. Eric, uh, tell people how they can uh, watch your work, see your, uh, read your writing, and uh, interact with you on Twitter. Yeah, the Twitter uh, handle is Eric with a C underscore at home, E-D-H-O-L-M. And NFL.com. That's it. I'll, I'll have uh, I'll have a couple pieces up this week and uh, maybe three. I don't know. Geez. So look at all yeah. this work that you've been doing. Wow. You're knocking three, out four three stories. stories a day. <laughs> when I do my new shifts, I'll let you know. I crank out three or four in, in a couple hours. But yes, uh, for draft related stuff. So, but yeah, it's always great coming on with you guys. Love talking bears. Love talking draft with you guys. You obviously follow it better than. I think every other host I've been on a show with to this point, not to, you know, so that, that, that's very, uh, I appreciate it. So you know what you're saying and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, you, you live in the Chicago area. Maybe one of these days, the four of us can go have a beer together. Yeah. On- maybe yeah. just one. What are we, what are we doing here? Let's go. Well, it's a- <laughs> I'm paying, I'm paying for one. <laughs> all right. All right. There you go. Neil's right, paying for the rest of them. <laughs> it's I would, hey, I would love I, to. I, 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 I right, need paychecks, man. <laughs> I'll buy the first round, you cheap bastards. All yeah. right, that's what we love. I'll, I'll, I'll buy two rounds. I'll buy two. There rounds. you go. There we go. I we got the rounds already. Here we go. Here we go. Uh, I'll we go. pay for the Uber ride home. Yes, <laughs> Eric, I, I love your work. Keep up the great work. Uh, we really appreciate you taking your time out tonight and just jumping on with us. And hey, man, enjoy Casey and, and have some barbecue yeah. for us, huh? I will. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to the. Uh, I've got the World War One Museum before I start working. I've got the Negro nice. League Baseball Museum. I've got there some barbecue is. places lined up. I haven't been to KC. I went to Mizzou, but I haven't been to KC in pff, 15 years. So I'm I'm pumped. I love that city. Can I sneak in one Mizzou question real quick? Yeah. Sure. Isaiah McGuire. I really like this kid. Yeah. Uh, from Mizzou. Uh, a defensive end. I, I was yeah. one of the first ones that mentioned all of them. Like this kid really intrigues me. I mean, this, the dimensions. Yeah, obviously he's still a little raw around the edges. You know, is he a day three guy? You think he could sneak in day two? Where do you, where do you see him at? Yeah, probably more day three if I had to guess. Um, yeah. I, and then defensive end I, or outside linebacker, you think? Question. Yeah, I, I think probably DN, but, you know, some teams may want to move him a little bit. It's it's hard to say, you know. So, you know, he, he Jim Nagy really liked him. I know he didn't have the most explosive senior bowl week ever or whatever, but I thought – you know, a, a really good-looking kid off the the cuff and long arms, and um, shockingly small hands. That was <laughs> it was like eight and a half inch hands or something like that. You think, God, a guy's that big, but yeah, I mean, I, I think his little you see flashes of what he could be. You know, a, a little bit of quickness, power, disruptive ability, hand work. But I felt like he did kind of guess a lot. You know, and there were sometimes he was out of position. But boy, I think you know, again, watching them almost every week in the co- in the college season, he was their most reliable D lineman. I mean, mm-hmm. you just sort of felt like you, you, you trusted him to set a hard edge as hard as he could um, and use his length and, and always find a way to kind of get in the backfield. So, yeah, I saw it. I think it may have been – maybe it was Lance Zierlein who works with me at, at, at NFL.com. I think he compared him to Preston Smith, and I thought, oh, I hadn't thought of it like that. Like, yeah, that makes some sense. I don't know he's quite that good on two feet, but I could, hmm. I could see a similar, similar uh, production at some point. Hmm. Yeah, I was really high on him going into Senior Bowl, and then obviously, like I said, Senior Bowl week he was a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So we'll we'll see, but definitely, like I said, airmarking pass rushers, edge guys, three you know three techniques for the Bears. So those are those, he's on my list in terms of him and Yaya Diaby from uh, yeah. From 
Diaby really hurt. caught my eye. Yeah, yeah, I was I was surprised. I he was a, he was a player I didn't do enough work on or whatever, and I just thought I'll get to him eventually, and that I had no no excuses. So yeah, he's he looks like a Packer to me. I'd hate to say it to you guys, oh. but I mean, like he looks like the kind of guy that they look for. So just just saying, keep in mind, you know. <laughs> You're right. He, he does look like a Packer. <laughs> I hate to say it too, but uh, <laughs> Eric, we'll let you go. And again, many 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 thanks, and we'll uh, be in touch. Okay. All right, fellas. Have a great night. See you. Appreciate you, brother. He is Eric Gethold. You've got to follow him on Twitter. He's such a great guy. And now we're going to have some beers with him, so that's going to be even great. I'll have the camera rolling just to capture some sound and share it with all of our jealous barflies. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, uh, before we get out of here, let's just talk in generalities about the Chicago Bears team. Neil, I'll start with you. What do you think you, – well, what would you like – to see Ryan Poles do before the draft. So, for instance, Yannick Ndukwe, he is perhaps considered the best defensive lineman available in free agency. Do you think that Poles should open up that wallet and uh, ensure that he gets him? Because, I, again, I'm worried about this defensive line, and the draft is not going to answer all questions. We've got to find somebody. What do you think, Neil? Uh, what should Poles do? Focus on Yannick or, or do something else? Well, I, I think that uh, you got to shake the tree and see what falls of all of these positions that we have open right now. You know, there's mm-hmm. uh, there's not a whole lot of uh, right tackles out there that, that really excite me right now. The, uh, the the defensive line, as you said, is probably the most concerning. If you if you talk about, uh, you know, functional bodies across the front and then also death, there's nothing inside. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, your backups on the outside are young guys. They're they're uh, they're guys with ceilings. You know, Dominique Robinson's really young. And, uh, you know, Gibson's, you know, still there. Uh, I'm not sure how well he fits anymore with, with the current scheme. But, uh, you know, with, with Walker, Justin Jones, and Andrew Billings, those are pretty much the guys you're relying on right now. So uh, I think that's the that that's definitely the area of this team right now that, that needs the most work by volume. And if you can get a highly, you know, productive, highly functional body in there and uh, use some of that, uh, some of those resources that we have at our disposal, uh, definitely shake the tree and see what you can figure out. What do you think, uh, Danny? Yeah, that's a name. That's a great name you brought up there, uh, Aldo, with, with Yannick. I mean, he's a guy, again, we, we know what the issue is. He's a guy that's, that's been on different teams, and, and, and we know why. It's because he does one thing, done one thing well, and that's rush a passer. He's not a, he's not a run to stopper. So he, he's he pretty much, I think he's now, you know, kind of made himself into a situational pass rusher, a guy you can use on, you know, passing down. So, you know, he might not fulfill your need in terms of, uh, you know, day one, you know, a week one starter just to, to be out there because, you know, in terms of run defense or maybe maybe you could, you know, kind of work around it. We'll see. But, yeah, he's the more established pass rusher out there. And right now, again, you just need to get some some pass rush uh, on on this football team. And, and what it does is if you get a, a guy like Yannick and I think it'll be a one year contract. I'm not sure what the, what the, what he's looking for, but, you know, just get him. Um, at least you have a, a edge guy you can rely on to give you, you know, eight to nine sacks, possibly 10 and a half sacks a season or, you know, next year. So now you can kind of, that's one, you know, let, not a, you, you don't remove the, you know, a need necessarily of defensive end, but you don't have the, you know, the added pressure of going and getting a, a you know, a, a pass rusher, a guy that can, you know, put some pressure on the quarterback. So then you can kind of work your way up in terms of the rest of the defensive line, all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's the defensive line, you know, Sean Robinson is still out there. He's, he's another guy, more of a one technique with Billings in here. And, 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 you, and, you know, some of the other guys we have in Justin Jones, I think, you know, the one technique could be covered there. Uh, there are some guys in the draft that, that, that would fit nicely in terms of, you know, the one technique as well. It's that three technique and then that, 
that that you know edge guy in terms of you know consistent pressure is what you're looking for. So I know I know you and I had a conversation all in terms of you know a slot corner. I, I think they're gonna get a, they're gonna draft probably a, a corner to play slot. Um, you know if if they're thinking about going free agent wise, you know you think Kyler Gordon could play slot corner. I I like him more on the outside. But if you're gonna do that, you know you could uh, rock rock as is out there in terms of an outside corner. Uh, he's a guy you can then now you can slide Tyler, you know, Kyler Gordon inside at the corner. So those are some possibilities there as well. But I think what what Ryan Poles now is doing, I think, is just kind of let the market come to him. I'm not sure if, if any of these guys are on his on his agenda. If he's just gonna maybe just go in because remember, there's gonna be another phase of veteran free agency after the draft. You know, teams that that you know pick players at a certain position now have a surplus. We either try and trade or, or or release players. So there could be another opportunity after the draft to bring in some veterans. You know, for areas that, that you didn't. Cover you know during during the seven rounds of the draft, so it's going to be very interesting. But yeah, I mean, definitely the the offense and defensive line still are are I think defense more right now than offense because I think offense you pretty much have the makings of of a complete unit. Right tackle obviously is a, is a big spot there that that we need to you know address uh, either during the draft or or, or post draft. But uh, I think you you have you know yeah, the makings of, of a formal offensive line, um, but. You know, again, the defensive line is is really something that really bothers me, and I think it's it still bothers. You know, it should be still bothering Ryan Poles. That's what I'm saying. Like getting the linebackers first, good players. And I understand the value aspect of it, how he explained it, but it's like you're you're building your your defense from the back to the front, and I think usually I'm I'm accustomed to seeing teams build from the front to the back, so. You know, it's it's just just getting that three technique is I think is paramount. I mean, we just saw the 49ers dish out all that money to Javon Hargrave, and be able to like, why would they get a Javon Hargrave? Because Javon Kinlaw has been a bust so far, and and the importance, even though you have a great pass rusher on the outside like Abosa, the importance of right now is these interior guys that can just get into the quarterback's face because of these quick games. You know, one step, you know, get rid of the football real quick. These edge guys don't have time to get to the quarterback. So these defensive tackles that are more closer to the football are, are more impactive now in terms of your pass rush. So I think that's why you see a team like 49ers putting up big money to get a, you know, Javon Hargrave, something like that. So, you know, that three technique is, is paramount. I think until the Bears fill that position with a quality player, it's, it's, it's going to be an area of need that, that they need to continue to search for. Um, my good friend, uh, Mr. Shorty has been pounding the table. He's in the chat room now, pounding the table for tight end Darnell Washington out of Georgia. I think he's like six, seven, 250 pounds an athletic freak. His numbers, his pass receiving numbers weren't great at Georgia, but his blocking was sensational. Another friend of mine, Berlissimo says he might be the best blocking tackle coming out in this draft. What do you guys <laughs> feel about Darnell Washington? Do you side with Mr. Shorty and Berlissimo, or do you have a differing opinion on the big tight end? Well, for me, I mean, yeah, he, he's he's a he's a in terms of uh, Georgia, he was, was more as an inline, uh, you know, blocking tight end. I think six seven thirty five plus inch arm length. I mean, the guy's a beast. Uh, and when he was thrown to, I mean, he showed the the ability, you know, to be a good pass catcher down the field. He's not a guy that that's that's going to stretch the field by by no means. You know, he's a you know, big body guy. Um, I, I just think that, you know, I think he's a guy that's pegged to go in the first or second round. I, I just right now with, with the way the situation is in terms of the defensive line and even the, some of the offensive spots are still available. A tight end is, 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 a, is a reach spot for me right now. I mean, you got obviously Cole Komet. You, you brought in Robert Tunyon on a one year deal. I think Tunyon's more of that flex 
kind of slot, you know, tight end, if you will, a uh, guy they can they can use and kind of help, you know, get down, you know, make some plays down a football field. But uh, you can, oh, this is a deep tight end class, and you can probably get one in day three that can come in and, and be a, you know, a contributor right away. But yeah, I, I just I just can't see going for a tight end uh, early early on in, in the draft with with these, you know, types of the needs you have right now, especially along the defensive line. What do you think, Neil? Yeah, hundred percent. I wasn't even thinking about him as even an option because if you look at you know where our needs are and you know where the talent is and how high we have to pick to get that talent, there's no way that we're even thinking about taking a tight end until at least round three. And I think at pick sixty four, there's still even more um, you know needs to address than you know before we even get to the tight end position. It's, I think that that's definitely a uh, day three position that we'll address. Um, you know, there's like Danny said, there is a ton of tight ends out there. It's extremely deep class, kind of like the the cornerbacks. I mean, you you could list off ten names. You're still getting to guys that can come in and and they'll you know, probably you know make an impact on 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 day one, um, maybe on the offense, but certainly on special teams. Um, you know, guys that uh, you can add depth to a uh, you know position group that really haven't had a whole lot of depth, you know, in recent years. So. Uh, day three is definitely where, you know, the Bears are going to target that. I can almost guarantee you they're going to take a tight end in, in this draft because you don't not take, you know, I, I was I was always operating under the under the uh, um, <clears throat> the rule when it comes to recruiting. You know, you always start and end recruiting in your backyard, number one, but also number two, take what take take what the class gives you. Right. Mm -hmm. If you have a class with an extremely deep cornerback board, wide receiver board, tight end board, that means that when you're in a position to grab somebody late, you're going to have um, a uniquely quality depth at those positions where you're drafting. So you're going to go ahead and give value wherever you pick them. Mm -hmm. yeah, hey, what is an example? Like a guy like Sam Laporta from Iowa, you know, 6'3", 250 pounds. He's a guy, you know, comes from, you know, he's a guy that, that plays in line. Uh, you know, it can, can be a threat down the field. And he's a guy that could probably be available there in the fourth round, for example. So, you know, yeah. before, just, just an example in terms of the depth here in, in this class where you can get a quality player like that to come in. Now, he doesn't have the, the dimensions in terms of Washington, but he's got the production in terms of being able to, you know, uh, you know, be a, a pass a quality pass catcher and also be some of that that can, you know, hold his own in terms of an inline blocker as well. So just too much depth to, to go with tight end in the first or second round, especially with, with this team and with, with their needs here. Yeah, and uh, the tight end from Purdue, Dylan Parnum, he actually uh, was at Hallis Hall for a visit uh, recently. What do you think about his play? I fell in love with him down at the Senior Bowl. He played well. He's an excellent blocker. He made some really nice catches in the scrimmages, and uh, he's got a fiery attitude. Um, he, there, I see mock drafts where he's still available in the fifth, sixth, uh, even seventh round, and some some mocks, of course, take that for whatever it's worth. But do you like uh, uh, the kid from uh, Purdue? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Go ahead, Neil. Well, yeah, I mean, I, you know, just – Again, like we we talked about Purdue guys before, you, uniquely enough, I end up watching a lot of Purdue football in this house. Um, he's a guy that's always stood out for all the reasons that, that you pointed out, everything that you saw down in Mobile. And again, like I was just finished saying in the the, uh, the the rant before, um, you're going to have positions of selection in this draft where you're going to be able to find value uh, in in positions like tight end. You're going to find a Dylan Parham in a, in a fifth round. I'd be extremely happy if if that's where you want to go ahead and take a tight end, that's where Ryan Poles is slotting the Bears to go ahead and take a tight end. And you have someone like uh, Yaparam, the, the kid at Old Dominion, you know, we can go on and on with with, with tight end names. You're going to be very happy about the kind of value, the kind of talent, the ceiling 
on some of these guys that you're going mm-hmm. to find in those particular draft positions. Yeah, yeah. With, with Payne Durham, I mean, obviously, I think Senior Bowl week, he, he really kind of stood out there, especially in the practices. You know, you, you, you get a guy at 6'6", you know, 253 pounds with 33-inch arms. You know, he's a guy that, you know, a, what lines up as a wide tight end. But I, I think, you know, he's he's working there. That's not that's not a strong suit in terms of being a, a great blocker, but he's a guy that definitely can be an option down the field. So another great example of, of a guy that's going to be available on day three where you can bring in and, and he can contribute as, as a rookie probably. So, yes, yeah, so that's another reason why another example in terms of why I wouldn't go for a kid like Washington in, in either the first or second round. Cole Komet is entering the final year of his contract with the Chicago Bears. It seems to me like of the uh, bigger players, more talented players in the Bears who are entering their final year of contract with the Bears, that Cole Komet would be the more likely candidate to have his contract extended. You can make the case for Claypool and Mooney, but I really believe that their performance in 2023 is going to dictate things. And I think it's almost a safer bet. to If if there's an announcement before or right after the draft that Komet's contract has been extended, I will not at all be surprised. What do you think, Dan? I mean, Danny. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, polls, you know, highlighted him in, in his in his postseason, you know, press conference in terms of you know the step that he made come at you know, in terms of the growth he he showed this year. I believe he had was he seven touchdowns he had this year. I, I believe so, if not if not more. Uh, but yeah, I mean, his, his uh, rapport with with Justin Fields was evident. I mean, at, at one point when when uh, Mooney went down, he was you know Fields you know primary target. He was the most most reliable target. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if if Komet or to be honest, even Mooney, if they they get a contract extension, uh, you know, just to kind of take care of those. And that'd be another reason why Poles isn't out there with his checkbook open and trying to just you know willy nilly sign and buy all these guys because we all know. From, you know, from previous experience, you know, you can't buy a, a you know, a great team in free agency. You just kind of, kind of hope to fill in some holes here and there. So, but definitely I think, uh, yeah, Komet is a guy that, you know, showed tremendous growth. And I think that should hopefully continue to grow here as he had more weapons around him, take more attention away from him. And I think him and Fields continue to build that relationship. Uh, I think he definitely will, will be a guy. I mean, at one point, I mean, he was getting what, two touchdowns a game. You know, like, there's like a two-week stretch that we had two, you know, multi-touchdown games. So definitely uh, became a, a go-to target there for Justin Fields. And hopefully that continues. Neil, you, uh, you agree with Danny's take on Komet? Completely. He's a franchise tight end. Um, at some point, I think you need to figure out a way to keep that guy around. He gives you, uh, you know, a, aggressive play. He's a tough kid. He catches the football. He can score touchdowns. I mean, he, he, he does all the things that you need your number one tight end to do, especially at a position where you don't, you really, in theory, don't spend that much money. Lock that guy up for as long as you possibly can. Mm. Toreen says that Brad Spielberg says uh, the Bears need to spend another $45 million in 2023 cash. He expects polls to be active in that cap casualty market that Danny just talked about a little while ago. Um, lots of stuff is going to happen over the next few weeks, and we here at the Barroom are going to cover it. Just about every day you'll find fresh programming here on the on the Barroom Network uh, regarding this draft. Uh, guys, let's go around the table and get some final thoughts out of the way before we close this chapter of Draft on Tap. Uh, Danny Shimon, I'll start with you. Yeah, just uh, another great show. Excited. Uh, you know, we're one week closer to, to the NFL draft and uh, just, you know, waiting to see what what happens here with, with in terms of, you know, pre-draft. Are, are there going to be any more moves? I just have a feeling there's going to be a, one or two more signings uh, made by made by uh, Ryan Poles and, and the Bears. I, I don't I don't know. I can't really tell what position I, I'm hoping defensive line. 
Uh, but but I definitely think that there's going to be at least one or two more signings here as, as they get ready to go into the draft and, and kind of shore up some of those quote unquote needs that, that they'll have on, on draft day. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, my, my first inclination is at number nine, especially if one of these quarterback drops, I think, I know Eric wasn't wasn't too too uh, keen on idea of, of someone coming up and, and you know trading up for one of these quarterbacks at number nine, but I just have a feeling that you know a team is going to feel the need to go up there and get one of these quarterbacks, especially if they drop. And I and I, I do anticipate Poles and company kind of trading down again and hopefully hopefully recouping that high second round pick somewhere because because if they draft a number nine, their next pick is at fifty three. That's a that's a long way to wait for for your next player, especially with, with so many players coming off the board at position of need. I really do hope that he kind of trades down and, and gets a high second round pick. Would you th- trade uh, next year's second round to get back into the second round? <laughs> no, I'm not trading okay. any future future picks. No, even though you got two number ones next season, even though I got two number ones next season, I'm I'm not trading. I'm I'm trading the ninth to go down. Right. And then getting a high second round pick, for example, like a team like, say, Washington or Tampa that, that are in high, that, you know, mid you know, higher pick than the second round than the Bears. Mm-hmm. That's where I'd go. And then I would just, you know, try and, you know, use that. Obviously, the, whatever pick I get from, from them in the first round, which is 15 for Washington, I think 19 for Tampa. And then I would use their second round pick to kind of get you know more players. Now, if I want to see a guy that's dropping in the bottom of the first round and now I have three second round picks, now I can maybe package two of those second round picks and move up and get a, a third first round pick or a second first round pick, for example, I can, you can talk me into that depending who the player is and what, you know, what position of need you're, you're fulfilling there. But uh, yeah, I would not trade any of the future capital. No, it's mm. Neil, give us some gems to finish off the show. Man, I think somebody's popping off fireworks over here right now. <laughs> or, or it could Celebrations be po- happening. Po- the police could be <laughs> searching for the shooter right now. <laughs> Could be that too. You never know. The beauty of Chicago. No, I was I was I was looking through my notes. I was trying to find there. There was a specific vernacular that Ryan Poles used in one of the uh, postseason press conferences about his approach he was going to take with this uh, offseason as it pertained to free agency, as it pertained to the draft. I can't find it, and I don't want to butcher it. But I think you know, generally speaking, he he spoke of how he was going to be uh, patient, disciplined. Um, uh, like thoughtful, I guess would be a word to describe it. Um, but 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 mainly, he was not going to freak out. He wasn't going to reach. He wasn't going to uh, operate outside of out uh, outside of uh, the parameters that he set. And they they weren't going to go outside of of the plan that that they put forth and the way that they're going to build this team, the type of people they want to bring in, the type of money they want to spend on certain positions. They're not going to overspend just to get a guy to make the fans happy to to make a splash all those different types of things. I think it's really important. And, you know, and we, we've all noticed, like, you know, his, his MO over the past few weeks, the way that he's gone about his business with the people that we've signed and, and uh, the, the, the thorough process that he's going through, um, figuring out ways to improve this roster. Um, it's been a long time since I felt, I guess, like a certain level of comfortability, if, if, if that's a, a good word to use in the, in the way that this personnel um, group is going about their business, building this roster, I, you know, there, there isn't a whole lot of moves that they make that make me want to shake my head, that make me nervous, that uh, don't instill confidence. And I, I think that's really important to note. And, um, you know, this is the type of leadership that I would, that I would come to expect from, a, from this organization moving forward, the kind of, the kind of leadership I wanted in this in this uh, organization for a long time now, 
And I feel like we finally got it. Um, you know, there's still a long ways to go as we keep on talking about with all the holes that we need to fill, the kind of turnover he needed to go through to get this roster to where it needed to be. And we talked about the the kind of uh, situation that he inherited with basically one arm behind his back and the empty cupboards and everything else, uh, making beautiful decisions last year to acquire capital, making the, the, the correct decisions to, uh, you know, fill his pockets up with all kinds of cash to use in the free agent market and to pay these rookies and to, to re-sign guys and uh, make as many friendly uh, team-friendly deals as we possibly can while also appreciating guys the right way. So I, I, I feel like this is um, – a really interesting time that we're in right now to where we might actually have like a grown up, you know, a buttoned up, you know, type of, uh, you know, deal in place. And I'm excited to see what comes next. Um, you know, the next month is going to be fun to watch uh, things unfold. Um, and, uh, you know, going into draft week, I mean, I'm going to be more excited for this upcoming draft than I have been in a while. And I know that, you know, it's, it's hard to, surpass the excitement of the year that we got Justin Fields going in, not knowing what quarterback we were going to get, not knowing how it was going to pan out. And then, you know, basically having a celebration popping bottles the night that we got who we think is our franchise quarterback. I feel almost that level of excitement, if not more, um, you know, this year coming up. So it's a good time to, uh, it's, good, it's a good time to be rebuilding, I guess, because if I feel, you know, confident, like I said, for the first time in a while. Indeed. Guys, you brought it. And you uh, stepped up in the pocket, as Phil Otoshin used to say, and you nailed the touchdown pass 50 yards downfield. Great job. Thanks to Eric Edholm. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. It's Eric underscore E-D-H-O-L-M. Make sure you follow Danny Shimon at D-S-H-I-M-O-N-5-6. And follow Neil Stopchinski at N-I-E-L-S-T-O-P-C-Z-Y-N. N S K I. I nailed Take it. Take a right? breather, Aldo. Take a breather. Take a breather. <laughs> I know it was a lot. <laughs> a lot of consonants there, man. Oh, man. We'll be back here. We'll be back here in two weeks. And of course, you can get more draft evaluation material on our Patreon page. All you got to do is go to patreon.com forward slash barroom draft. And there are dozens of uh, scouting evaluations there from my man Danny Shimon and I was going to say the old man but if I say that he might kick my ass <laughs> Greg Gabriel <laughs> uh, they bring in it with some great stuff and I'll be working all week and populating stuff because the guys have been recording uh, evaluations a la crazy and it's hard for me to keep up with them so uh, with that note I will let you know go and make sure you follow uh, uh, the Barroom Network here on YouTube so you can be Become aware of all of our live program. Until next time, we'll see you guys.